Blog Talk Radio. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight on this Sunday evening as we're just talking wrestling, man, tonight. We ain't getting you set for anything, no pay-per-view tonight, no nothing. So everything is on the table. Anything you want to talk about in the world of professional wrestling, you give us a call. It is a veritable potpourri of wrestling talk tonight. So if you want to discuss anything, give us a call 347-838-9815. That is the number to call. Last week was WWE's Payback. You want to talk about some WWE Payback fallout? Give us a call. Lots of stuff to discuss tonight. And we got a big announcement coming up in the near future. You want to tune in and hear that. You want to check us out on Facebook. Our Facebook page is Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Again, that is Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Check us out over there. We got a lot of great stuff on the Facebook page. We got discussion tonight. You want to get over there? Maybe, Maybe you have a weekend job and you want to say something about the world of pro wrestling but you just can't call us, well, head on over to the Facebook page. Get on the Facebook chat. Join in over there. And you know what? If your point is valid, and I'm sure it is, I have confidence in you, we'll read it on the air. Again, it's facebook.com slash the Ken Reed Show. Every Monday night on Facebook, we have a raw chat going on during Monday Night Raw. So check us out over there. Lots of great stuff. Always throwing stuff up on the Facebook page. And we're like 498 likes. So you want to head over there because we need to get over 500. We need to get over 500 likes. So head on over to our Facebook page and get us over the hump. 498. 498 likes. We need two. Come on. You have to have two friends. You've got to have two friends to head on over and like our Facebook page. I'm hoping that during this show, we can announce that we went over 500 likes. 
on the Facebook page. Check us out on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at the Ken Reedy Show. Again, that is at the Ken Reedy Show on Twitter. Tweeting's your thing. I hear that that's what all the youngins are doing nowadays. So check us out on Twitter. Again, at the Ken Reedy Show. And you can check out our website, thekenreedyshow.com. Check us out there. You can listen to the show over there live. There's a live player. Lots of great stuff over there on the website. If you happen to be listening to us pre-recorded, you're listening to us on one of the great stations like 1640 PWPR or the B Plus Players Radio Network. Check us out over there. Proud to be part of both of those networks. It's free to subscribe. Lots of great shows on the network. I mean, we're the best show. It just, I, you know, it's just the way it is that we're the best show on, like, honestly, we're, we're the best show on both networks. It's, it's it is, I just got to be honest. But there are a lot of great shows on there. So get on board. Get on the network. Subscribe for free. Listen to the show. Support podcasting support wrestling podcasting in general again 1640 pwpr and the b plus players radio network we got a lot of stuff to talk about big announcement coming up from the show and with all this stuff going on after one week off i am very happy to have my tag team partner on the line he is back dave how was your anniversary weekend, my man? Thank you very much. It was it was very nice. It was quiet. Nothing real too exciting took place, but just spent some quality time with Mrs. Rosenbluth. Um, and, you know, that was really about it. Uh, I want to thank Rocky for filling in and uh, holding down the fort. And uh, I listened to the show, um, parts of it, Sunday evening. Um, the wife was kind enough to let me listen, as well as watch Payback. Um that's why I married her. She's a very good woman. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she lets me get my wrestling in. And you know what? That would have been a deal breaker for me with any other woman on this planet if I had not chosen my current wife right now. But nonetheless, um, it's great to be back. And, uh, Rock, thank you once again. I listened to the show. You did not have big shoes to fill. You hold your own, and you do a damn good job on this show. And uh, I want to say thank you for doing that. Appreciate it. Anyhow, it's great to be here. I'm excited about the big announcement. I'm excited to talk about wrestling as always, and uh, let's have at it. Yeah, let's let's get into the announcement. I mean, you know, and, and being honest, look, I mean, I'm not gonna front up here, and I'm gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say, ooh, this was this was our, you know, necessarily our like big idea, and we're reinventing the wheel. Like hell, man, like we inspired by stuff that other guys are doing and and we listen and we try to get uh on board with the the pulse of of podcasting and and, and the like in, in the nation and the world um because because you know like i mean we're out there we're on the world wide web in fact you know we're we're huge in france right now so we we gotta be on board with what goes on in the world in general i mean yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up right now because I'm just I'm having fun. But 24.9% percent of our listeners come from France. Five percent come from Thailand. Who knew? So 
we're international. There's, there's no doubt about it. And if we're going to be on the pulse of, of wrestling talk and, and what's going on in, in the world, um, we got to be willing to change things up. And, um, you know, Dave kind of brought this and, and, and we kind of talked about it. And again, we're not going to front it. We're not going to say we're reinventing the wheel, but we've talked about it on the show. We love Bruce Pritchard's podcast. He brings a, a, a very, with Conrad and, and Bruce, they bring a really um, comprehensive, entertaining podcast to the world. And, and honestly, we were kind of inspired by them. Uh, so we've decided that once a month, um, we're going to do, we're going to pick a topic from the past and we're going to do a, a fan perspective on it. Obviously, we're not going to give you um, the inside uh, goings on that a, that a Bruce Pritchard can give you, but we think it would be fun to revisit some things in the past and kind of dissect a fan's perspective on what happened in the past. So once a month, Going forward, we're going to give you something different where we're actually not going to talk about the current product and we're going to get, we're going to pick a subject matter, whether it's best WrestleMania is or uh, best survivor series is, 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 or um, whatever. We're going to take something from the past and we're going to dissect it as fans as only we can right now. And we're going to look to book guests. Uh, for these subject matters and, and we're just going to We're going to have some fun with it Because I think uh, going back and Revisiting things from uh, Yesteryear and things from uh, uh, Bygone eras Is going to be a lot of fun So right now you know Dave like I'm kind of psyched for this This is going to be fun because it kind of uh, Gives us an opening to be um, Creative and have some fun And, and some different stuff for us To uh, discuss with our fans yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because, uh, you know, as as I've been dubbed by yourself and Rocky, I'm a big wrestling historian, a big wrestling buff on this show, and talking about things about the past and historical moments in this wonderful industry that we call professional wrestling, it's what I love to do. So this is this is really right down my alley. And like you said, you know, inspired by the Bruce Pritchard podcast, something to wrestle with, um, the, the, you know, Obviously, we won't give that insider's perspective because we weren't there when it happened, but giving a fan's perspective on what had taken place, whether it be certain pay-per-views or a particular individual, a personality profile on someone who had an impact on the business, or topics like underrated wrestlers, overrated wrestlers, or even like pivotal years in wrestling. Like, for instance, one, of my, one topic that I, I can't promise you, but it's been in discussions with Ken that we will get into on these Ken Reedy Show throwback episodes is the year 1997 in professional wrestling. A lot took place during that year, and there are so many things that myself as a fan can go back and remember that I'd love to relay to all of you who either relived it, or, or excuse me, who lived it, or who didn't get the chance to live it and would like to hear it from us. I, I can't wait to discuss all that kind of stuff. So I'm really pumped for this once a month, and, you know, you, our listeners, the fans, you be the judge. Tell us what you want to hear. Go on the Facebook page. Tell us if there's a certain topic or a wrestler or an event or anything that took place from the past that you want us to talk about. Please, by all means, log on to the Facebook. Go on Twitter. Do what you got to do, but let your voice be heard. And let's make these Ken Reedy Show throwback episodes something to talk about. 
Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, you know, honestly, like, and, and we said it, and, and, and pulling no punches, I mean, I'm willing to, to put it out there who we were inspired by. Um, but the thing is that what we have over Bruce Pritchard and, and his podcast, the fact that we're, we'll be live. So if we're discussing 1997, if we're discussing WrestleMania 1, if we're discussing the, the NWA's impact on pro wrestling, if we're talking about Randy Savage's career, we're talking about it from a fan's perspective, and we're going to be here live. So you give us a call and you can give us your take as a fan. And like you said, Dave, you know, whether you're a fan of old enough where you remember some of the stuff we're talking about, or you know, maybe you're a younger fan and, and you didn't live through it and you can you can sit and listen to us talk about stuff from a, a fan perspective going through the eras that, that we went through. You know, you know, call us. Talk about that stuff. Um, if you're a 20-something wrestling fan but you're a historical buff and, and you've, like, read up and, and – you know, research stuff. Yeah, if we're doing a WrestleMania 3 show, call us about, like, the research you've done on WrestleMania 3. We're going to be here to discuss that stuff. So it's definitely going to be opening us up to different subject matters to talk about. You know, Dave, you hit upon it, and, and we can't stress it enough. We want your impact as fans. Tweet us. Put it on the Facebook page. Anything is is up for grabs. We'll put the research in for our retrospective shows. Again, for Dave, he might not even have to put his research in. He may just know <laughs> about certain subject matters. But you might, you know, as fans, you might have, you know, subjects that we're not even thinking of that you'd like to kind of hang out and talk about. And that's kind of the vibe I, we want to create here is kind of that you know, a bunch of wrestling fans in a judgment-free zone being able to hang out and and talk about something that, that, that was historical in the world of professional wrestling. So, you know, from today's date past, anything's game. So bring it to us. We have our ideas on certain shows. Dave, you hit it. Like 1997 is uh, an idea. Uh, WrestleMania is obviously on, on the docket. Uh, but there's so much in the world of professional wrestling that if you got something that you want to talk about that, you know, maybe, you, maybe you're out there thinking, geez, nobody talks about this ever. Man, Facebook us or tweet us. We'll, we'll do it. We will, we're open for anything. It's something that's fun for us because it's, it's giving us the opportunity to be creative and, and to, to touch upon things that we might not have previously had the opportunity to discuss. So fans out there, you have anything you want to discuss in the past, historically, in the world of pro wrestling, message us, tweet us, Facebook us. And we will dedicate a show to it, Dave. When when you look at like doing this type of show once a month, um, and there's only twelve months in a year, um, I'm excited to see what subject matters we can hit. And honestly, I'm excited to see what subject matters our fans might bring to us. 
Yeah, I, I am too. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Like I said, like, and, 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 you know, no secret here. I'll, I'll tell all our listeners, you know, Ken, when I was thinking about this subject, when we were talking about wanting to change the format a little bit, I had all these creative juices flowing. I, like I said, I don't know if you were at work or if you were busy with, you know, your, your, your girlfriend, producer Michelle, or what you were doing, but I'm, I'm just blasting you with all these ideas via text message. The creative juices were flowing. It really got me pumped. It really got me excited. Like I said, inspired by Bruce Pritchard, the way they got the format and set up, it, it, you know, the, 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 the topics that they discuss, the events, like, you know, here's another one. Here's another idea I want to do, and hopefully our listeners would want us to talk about this. Pick a pay-per-view, and let's review it match by match. So a pay-per-view like, like SummerSlam 1991, for instance, you know, we'll go each match, match by match, what we thought of that match, what we thought of the buildup going into that match, and, and the finish, and how it ended, and just the, the show overall. I mean, stuff like that. I'm, I'm super pumped for this. I am just super pumped, ready to rock and roll with it. Um, I am going to need to do some research. I appreciate the compliment, but, yeah, I am going to need to do some research on my own, sit down, pen and paper, have some notes, and get ready to, to, to really not change the game of podcasting, but change our game and step up our game here at the Ken Reedy Show. Can't rest on our laurels here. God damn. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of shit, mother effer. Goddamn. Oh double God. cheese, double onion, double ketchup, mother effer. Goddamn. <laughs> We're going to do some kick-ass podcasts about anything in the world. I tell you, man, I don't do a good Jim Cornette impression, but I do That's a good Bruce Pritchard doing Jim Cornette impression. <laughs> that is awesome. That's <laughs> That just made my night right there. That just made my night. Motherfucker! <laughs> Goddamn! We actually, like, last week after the pay-per-view, because of Bruce Pritchard, and again, like, we're inspired by, I swear, like, don't, like, look, oh, they're copying. No, inspired by is important. I, I think, and right now, and he's not paying for us at all, um, listen to Pritchard's podcast, uh, Wrestling With, it's just, it's phenomenal, but uh, because of you know, his shows, we actually, after the pay-per-view last week, we found on YouTube, um, Bruce Pritchard, uh, Bruce Pritchard, uh, Jim Cornette at the drive-thru at Dairy Queen. We just had to watch that <laughs> video. And it's, it's hilarious. He's the, honestly, you ugly Cornette. bitch. No wonder you don't get any business. You don't fill any orders. Goddamn. <laughs> you know what I loved about that podcast? was the story that Bruce told about Jim Cornette's rat dying and how they had yes. like the Undertaker and how they had like the Undertaker's music in the background with like the piano yes. playing. It was like the way he told the story, the music, how it came in, it was so well that I was dying. I was folding laundry. I couldn't even put two socks together. That's how hard I was laughing <laughs> at this story. It was great. Unbelievable. That's that's honestly the worst part about that podcast is that generally I listen to it at the gym. So, like, if, if I'm doing, like, a bench press, like, I'm trying not to drop the weight on my chest. <laughs> um, but there there are times where, like, I think that, like, I'm in the middle of a set, and, like, I'll be doing, like, arm curls, like, bicep curls, and I'm cracking up. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> curling the weight, and I'm just, like, I got this big smile on my face, and I am cracking up, and I'm, like, like, people must be looking at me thinking I'm, I'm effing nuts, like, and it just and and every time he, he pulls out his Jim Cornette impression, you're like, God damn! I just start cracking up. <laughs> God damn, I'm so 
died. I can't go sad. I paid thousand dollars for his surgery and now he died, god damn it. <laughs> I said after like last week we watched the Dairy Queen episode, like I Dairy Queen episode, Dairy Queen video, I I literally spent like the past week just just constantly like God damn Yeah, I was I was just doing and again, it's not a good Jim Cornette impression. It's an impression of Bruce Pritchard impersonating Jim Cornette. That's, that's I think I got that kind of down. But uh, anyway, yes, as we go off on this tangent, inspired by uh, Bruce Pritchard and his amazing podcast, um, Wrestling With, and um, uh, it, it's just it's so well done, and we will be – Inspired by, will be shifting. It's not a insider's view, but it will be a fan's perspective. Um, if we can get an insider's take, we're going to look to book some guests uh, for these kind of retrospective shows. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, it's up in the air, man. Like, it's we're going to be creative with it. We're going to tweak things as uh, we see fit. Um, and we are open, honestly, uh, Full disclosure, any fans that have input on how they'd like to see the show structured, subject matters you want to see, um, we're on board with it. So this should be a lot of fun. I think we're going to have a a good time with it. Uh, You know, revisiting yesteryear um, is a lot of fun. You know, David, like one of the things I I always look at with yesteryear, which um, I I think is going to be fun to dissect and look at that. To me, wrestling is very experiential um, in a sense that you can, you can research uh, stuff and you can look up what happened and you can find videos on YouTube about, you know, on events and, and moments, but there's something about living through it. And, and, I, and I, I look forward to the opportunity to dissect those aspects of pro wrestling. Um, You know, case in point, like things where, you know, someone who might be a bit younger who will, you know, definitively stay, say like Stone Cold is, is, is better than Hulk Hogan, but who didn't live through Hulkamania. And if you were alive during Hulkamania, you definitely have a different perspective. It was it was something that took over the country, unlike anything that was ever seen before. So, and, and honestly, if you were very young and you you didn't live through Stone Cold or Hulk Hogan, it's understandable why you would think God nobody compares to John Cena. Look at what John Cena has done over the course of his career. So, I look forward to. Um, even looking at that aspect of pro wrestling and looking at, you know, what eras did you live through and how you compare those eras and how you, um, you know, look at different performers, different wrestlers, because I do sincerely believe that one of those things where you can research uh, pro wrestling and you can watch certain things, but it's so much different than when you actually live it. And I look forward to, 
you know, I don't want to sound like an old man, but educating the masses, maybe educating some of the younger masses on what it was like to live through um, some of the older events. But let's face it, man. I, I mean, and you're old enough too. Like you could look look up and watch the video of when Hulk Hogan turned heel and joined the NWO. But honestly, there's no comparison to living to living it. When it happened, how it knocked the wrestling world on its ear, um, you can't get that through research. And I look forward to sharing what it was like to live through certain experiences as well as researching other things and, and bringing that perspective. Yeah, I mean, you know, doing this show, I've on certain topics when it's when we talked about the current product, I've gone back and I've watched some stuff in the past, um, especially when I do my pay-per-view throwbacks on, on our pay-per-view pregame shows. And the one thing I've noticed uh, with certain things, and not everything, but when I watch something from the past on the network, um, there's been a couple instances where I've been like, holy cow, I felt the same way I did when I watched it when I was nine years old. And then there were other times where I was like, holy cow, like, what was I thinking? This wasn't as good as I thought it was when I was 14 years old. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I look forward to kind of going back and doing my research with the WWE Network on some of these subjects when we talk about them. And, and, and depending on what they are, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to what I'm going to say to myself when I watch it and go back and am I going to think of it the same way I felt when I first witnessed it and experienced it and lived through it. That's what I'm. That's, what, that's another thing I look forward to as we embark on this new endeavor here at the Ken Reedy Show with our throwback episodes. Yeah, and we're gonna get into. I mean, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We got to get into like last week's payback, but um, you know, and ended on this. You know, it was recently, actually, after a pay per view. Um, you know, a lot of times when we get together and, and we have a group in, in our house and. Uh, after a pay-per-view is over, you know, and, and kudos to the WWE Network and YouTube, uh, just so many things are accessible. We decided that, you know, after one of the pay-per-views uh, in recent memory, uh, we watched Roddy Piper versus Jimmy Snuka. I believe it was at the Garden, Mad Square Garden. I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to even try to remember the date, but obviously after the infamous, um, coconut incident and before uh, there are a lot of crazy spots uh, in the world of pro wrestling and you know watching that moment where Jimmy Snuka jumped over the top rope uh, to land on Roddy Piper outside the ring and watching it again I actually did have that moment where I was able to just immediately get transported back to being a younger wrestling fan and watching Snooker do that thing. Oh my God, how did he do that? But the storytelling was there that it wasn't a spot for the sake of being a spot. It was Jimmy Snooker hated Roddy Piper so much that he was willing to die as long as he killed Roddy Piper in the process. And 
it was that sort of like tra- being transported back to the golden age of kayfabe where immediately like I just went back to being that younger wrestling fan and being like, you know, Jimmy Snooker just wants to destroy Roddy Piper. And it's moments like that that I look forward to revisiting and remembering how, you know, kayfabe was a bigger deal. You know, if you're a younger wrestling fan, you really have no idea how, how it was presented as real, how it was not presented as a work. This was a shoot top to bottom. You know, that's how it was presented to fans that this was real and, and it, it being worked was a closely guarded secret and it's a much different vibe growing up in that sort of era than growing up now. And the PG era has been in existence long enough and, and kayfabe, if not on death's door on life support um, has been going long enough where, uh, there are younger 20-something wrestling fans that really have no idea what it was like to grow up with the idea of this stuff's real. These are two grown-ass men getting in that ring to legit beat the shit out of each other, that it was as real as boxing was real. That's how it was presented to us. And I look forward to be able, be able to discuss what happened in yesteryear, how it was presented in yesteryear, the changes from yesteryear today. And to be honest with you, uh, to, to look forward to learning a little bit, like that's how I grew up as a wrestling fan, but I look forward to hearing from some younger fans who want to call in and, and discuss like their exposure to wrestling and what made them wrestling fans. So the sky is the limit with this new format. Lots of great things that we're, we're going to be able to dissect and get into and, and above other podcasts that, that discuss other things in the past, we're going to be live. So you can call in and discuss those things, discuss what we're talking about, discuss your experience and your thoughts. You know, I would love to do like a WrestleMania three show. And if you think Hogan Andre sucked, call us, man, and tell us why you thought it sucked. You're wrong. But I would love to hear your point of view on things. And that's what's going to be fun about this show is just getting different perspectives, dissecting history, picking different topics, and getting you fans to give us a call and give us your take on those things. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. We're going to get into uh, payback, flashback, Payback Backlash, if you will. Uh, what do you guys think of Payback? We're going to discuss it. We'll give you our impressions of the matches and the pay-per-view event. Um, again, excited about the new format, but we got to get into what's going on currently in the world of professional wrestling. So right now, it is time for what we do every show at this time. It is time for the Dave 5 News Report. Good evening, and welcome to the Dave 5 50-50 News Report, only heard right here each and every week, unless I have the night off, right at the top of the hour on the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. 
And if you're new to the Ken Reedy Show and you want to check out some of our previous installments of the Best in Pro Wrestling Talk, then head on over to B-Plus Players Radio where you can find our archived episodes chronicling the happenings in the world of professional wrestling. Now, with that being said, let's get right into this week's top stories. At the top of the docket this week, TMZ.com posted several photos of the recently alleged retired Undertaker, along with his wife, Michelle McCool, entering the David H. Koch Pavilion Hospital in New York City this past week. Speculation is abound, as it's been rumored for quite some time that the Undertaker is expected to undergo hip replacement surgery, which will ultimately put the dead man on the shelf for good. Many within WWE believe that once Undertaker indeed does have the surgery, that it will have signaled his in-ring career coming to an end. As if the ceremonial gesture of Undertaker laying his ring gear in the middle of the ring post-match at WrestleMania 33 wasn't enough, WrestlingNewsSource.com reported later this week that according to their sources, Undertaker did indeed undergo hip surgery, hip replacement surgery in New York City at the Koch Pavilion Hospital. At this time, we can't confirm if the surgery is indeed took place, but when we do, we will be sure to report it to you right here at the Day 5. This week marked the end of Adam Cole's Ring of Honor contract, as he is now officially a free agent. And according to Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer, everybody is interested in the former Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. While it hasn't been confirmed, Meltzer and several other insiders believe that Cole may end up in WWE down in NXT. Cole has stated in previous interviews recently his desire to have that WrestleMania moment someday. However, he'd like to begin his WWE journey with a start in the developmental program NXT. Dave Meltzer also speculated that New Japan Pro Wrestling is looking to sign Cole to a full-time deal, which would result in more regular appearances in Ring of Honor as both companies have a working relationship. Meltzer didn't report on the potential of a Ring of Honor re-signing but when he referred to everyone wanting to sign Cole, you can assume Ring of Honor is in the hunt. Cole currently is working with Ring of Honor under a per-appearance kind of contract and is free to sign anywhere at any given time. On a side note, several other names in past and present of Ring of Honor are currently on WWE's radar, which includes Donovan Dijak, who our good friend AC from the cooldown has raved about, along with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish from the Team Red Dragon. And finally, another one of AC's favorites, Leo Rush. If they indeed do sign with WWE, it's expected that they would start down in NXT. In what seems to be a never-ending saga between Impact Wrestling and the Hardy Clan, it looks as if Anthem Media, parent company of Impact Wrestling, has filed for a trademark on the broken intellectual property, which includes Broken Matt Hardy, Brother Nero, Vanguard One, and Broken Brilliance. This move comes at a time when WWE had allegedly been making attempts to work out an agreement with Anthem to use the gimmick on their own television programming. Matt Hardy had filed for a trademark back in March after his contract with the company had run out, to which he had become successful and legally was the rightful owner of the intellectual property, according to the trademark and patent of the United States of America. Anthem allegedly feels that they own the IP after the Hardy clan left the company when their deals expired, according to the brothers' contracts. Matt went on Twitter this past weekend declaring that Anthem is holding the gimmick hostage that he created so the fans couldn't see the incarnation in WWE. Rebby Hardy, wife of Matt, also revealed on Twitter this week that Anthem is now in the process of taking legal action towards her. 
For what reasons? She did not reveal at this time. However, many speculate this could be a defamation lawsuit, as she had been very outspoken against the organization after the brothers' departure from Impact Wrestling a few months ago. Matt had been making subtle, broken references on WWE television lately, as well as his social media accounts, which has led many to believe that a deal may have been made between both sides on the use of the intellectual property. Otherwise, why would WWE allow Matt to portray some of the characteristics of the gimmick if they weren't legally allowed to do so? In related news, the Wrestling Observer revealed this week that the Hardys tried to convince Impact Wrestling lead announcer Jeremy Borash to jump to WWE with them. However... Due to the large amount of responsibilities he has with the organization, he politely declined. Borash has been given credit for helping produce several of the Broken Hardy segments in TNA, as well as being the sole producer of the two-hour final deletion episode that aired at the end of 2016 on Impact Wrestling. A story that has made the rounds this week, Billy Corgan, who formerly was associated with Impact Wrestling, has officially purchased or is in the finals purchasing, the National Wrestling Alliance. This report was confirmed by NWA President Bruce Tharp on Facebook this past week. Tharp included in his statement that Corgan's purchase of the organization does not include the video library or the NWA on-demand streaming service. He also revealed that he will be stepping down as president of the National Wrestling Alliance, but will still have an active role under Corgan's new regime, which will include former WWE and TNA creative writer Dave Lagana. No other organizations or talent were part of this purchase as well. However, under the old regime, the NWA name was licensed out to several independent wrestling organizations for use on their shows. And it was revealed that those licenses, when they come to an end with the sale, excuse me, it was revealed that those licenses do not come with the sale. And when they run out, it will be up to Corgan and those said organizations to work out a deal moving forward. My apologies. Many believe that Corgan and his team don't have a clear-cut plan as to what to do with the brand moving forward, and the purchase is just a small step in many for Billy Corgan's next endeavor in the professional wrestling industry. And in my final story this week, news broke earlier this week that Brock Lesnar will be returning to WWE television soon as he will appear at the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view in Dallas. On a side note, before I continue with this story, that's such a shitty name for a pay-per-view. I don't even know if I want to do a pay-per-view pregame show that if we're going to have to cover a name such as Great Balls of Fire for a pay-per-view. Maybe we should do a retrospective show on shitty pay-per-view names or shitty gimmicks in wrestling. Because I think Great Balls of Fire fucking sucks. Anyway, Brock Anyway, it sucks. It's it. Great Balls of Fire, are you kidding me? You couldn't come up with something better? Great Balls of Fire, did they, like, did, like, Stevie Wonder pick this out? Like, for real, like, what the fuck? Like, honestly, that's such a shitty name. I hate that name. I don't even know if I'm going to watch that show. I'd rather set my balls on fire than watch Great Balls of Fire. (laughs) Anyways, he is scheduled to defend his Universal Championship against his rumored opponent, Braun Strowman. Being reported that if those plans change, then the backup plans call for Brock to face either Seth Rollins or Finn Balor at that shitty named pay-per-view. If he indeed faces Strowman at the July pay-per-view, then it's expected the two will meet in a rematch at SummerSlam in August. Lesnar's other dates haven't been determined yet, but it's rumored that he will face Rollins and Balor on pay-per-view before next year's WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans where he is rumored to face Roman Reigns in the main event. 
WWE officials are planning to keep those two as far apart from each other as they possibly can in hopes that they meet at the grand spectacle. As always, plans can and may change between now and then. So take this rumor with the proverbial grain of salt. There you have it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Dave 550 News Report. Only heard right here at the top of the hour each and every week, barring vacation and personal sabbaticals. At the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. Until next week, I'm Dave Rosenbluth. Let's send it back to Ken for more of the best in pro wrestling talk. Good stuff, as always. Uh, it, it's crazy, man. I mean, the, the where, where the business is going... Um... You know, it's interesting, Dave, because, you know, anytime you hear the, the rumblings and there's always like every every so often you hear the rumblings of the NWA, um, at least having a, a shot at, at rising to some sort of prominence. Um, Billy Corgan's an, an interesting fellow. I mean, uh, you know, he used to be a little boy. Um, and it never, never was I a big Smashing Pumpkins fan, nor would I have ever looked at a guy like Billy Corgan as, uh, you know, I, he never would have struck me as a guy, oh, that guy's a wrestling fan. Um, it, it was shocking when, uh, I did find out that he's a big wrestling fan and, uh, when he was trying to get into the business and a guy who seems to be trying to find, uh, his niche to make a mark in pro wrestling. Um, you know, the NWA is what it is. Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's on life support. It, it's probably better than that. Um, I would love to see the NWA uh, raise its game and, and, and get to um, a, a bigger level of prominence. Um, I think most, uh, especially old school wrestling fans would love to see that, but um it really is, uh, you know, out of all your news stories, Dave, I think it's very, it's a very intriguing topic and very interesting to see where that might go. Seeing a guy like Billy Corgan become interested in a brand that holds so much prestige, um, but has not been at that level in quite some time. I think Currently, right now, because of the association or the 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 presumed association, whichever will be, with Billy Corgan, I think this is probably the most relevant. The NWA, the letters National Wrestling Alliance, the brand itself, has been since they were associated with TNA Wrestling in the early years of TNA Wrestling. Um, Corgan, like you said, he's an interesting cat. Um, for, for some of you that don't know, has been, was largely responsible for some of the, 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 the structuring and the creative in TNA in the last year or so before his ugly departure from that organization. He helped produce, he was one of the, Jeremy Boras, I said on day five, was a big contributor to the broken, hardy gimmick. Corgan was right there too, uh, helping produce those those segments and the and the, uh, the, the, the the delete of the decay. He's a very creative guy, and I wouldn't say he's got his finger on the pulse when it comes to wrestling, but he's a huge wrestling fan, big wrestling historian. He's always wanted to be involved. There was a rumor that he was going to be an investor in the original ECW back in the 90s, but for whatever reason that didn't happen. 
So him getting his hands on the NWA and the National Wrestling Alliance, I think it kind of brings, like like you said, it's not necessarily on life support, but it, it brings some relevance to it. But at least he's not like a lot of those other promoters out there that will make these promises right off the bat and say that I'm going to do this, that, and the other, and I'm going to take this, this brand to new heights. Because what it sounds like is that he's, he's purchased the brand and the name, but he's, he's not sure where he wants to go strategically with it. So for the time being, he's just kind of holding off and seeing what he's going to do with it without making any promises to the fans and maybe those old-school NWA wrestling fans that were hoping for that kind of NWA wrestling to return. He's not, like, holding out hope or giving them broken promises, if you will. So I think it's a, I think it's a good move for him. Um, like I said, he wanted to be a part. He, he was almost in the process of buying TNA, and then that turned into an ugly situation in and of itself. So um, I'm all for it, and I hope that it, you know it works out for him. Or whatever he does with it, um, because the NWA is so deep in history that it's still something that, like, if you brought it to today's wrestling. And, and you took it seriously and you didn't treat it as a joke, then I think it's something with the letters National Wrestling Alliance, the brand itself, I think it's something that could work in today's wrestling. I agree with you. I think that's and, – and you hit the nail on the head there. It, it's those three letters. And having a fan, um, an older fan, who recognizes uh, the prestige that those letters bring um, – it's it's an interesting story. Um, will the NWA rival the WWE in any way, shape, or form? No. And I think it's unrealistic for fans to think that way. Um, could the NWA be distant, but a distant second? Maybe. Um, it, it's uh, business-wise, it's one of the for me at least. It's one of the more intriguing stories to come around in a long time because it's not, it's not a new company. It's not Jeff Jarrett uh, creating global force wrestling. It's not, you know, something, you know, Hey, this guy is doing this new thing, whatever. It's something new, but it's something that has such historical significance in the world of pro wrestling that um, to me, it's something to really keep your eye on and, see what Billy Corgan can do. But uh, I, I think, Dave, you really hit it, hit the nail on the head. The, the, those three letters, NWA, that if in any way, shape, or form, if you consider yourself uh, a hardcore wrestling fan, if you consider yourself an old-school wrestling fan, if you consider yourself someone who values and respects the history of pro wrestling, uh, there's, there's no way to, to – uh, you, you know, you can't understate the value and what the NWA meant to the history of pro wrestling. And if Billy Corrigan can tap into that vibe, and and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, but to monetize the history of the NWA and, and validate a current product, um, a guy who is involved in the entertainment industry it's very intriguing it's very intriguing to see what he might be able to do with this brand and it's something as 2017 wears on into 2018 
Um, to see what exactly he'll be able to do with that brand. I, I think it's very exciting. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. Dave, unfortunately, you were not on board with us uh, celebrating your anniversary for um, payback last week. Uh, but let's get into it. Uh, you know, it was, and I'm curious. I want to get your take. When we discussed the show last on last week's show, um, it was a pay per view that honestly, I was not excited about. Uh, it didn't have me intrigued in the least bit. Um, the buildup didn't do it for me. It was one of those pay per views that honestly. If I wasn't doing this show, I don't know if I even would have watched it um, or maybe I would have watched it in bits and pieces over the course of the week. But when it was all said and done, I thought it was an entertainment night, entertaining night. Did they hit it out of the ballpark? Probably not. But for the most part, I I thought we got uh, value uh, for the evening. That being said, I thought the House of Horrors match blew chunks. Uh, was not impressed at all and was further unimpressed by two guys who grew up in the industry. I expected more, my take on things, but I want to get your take, Dave. Again, not here for the pre-show. Myself was not enamored by the build. Thought we got a fairly entertaining night with honestly, with it, it's, it's mind boggling that I will sit here on this show and say, despite a clunker and I'm using clunker for Orton and Wyatt, despite that, I thought we got a decent entertainment night at a payback. Um, I listened to the show. Okay. Like I said, bits and pieces on Sunday. And then I, I went back and listened to Monday because I wanted to get your picks that you and Rocky, had because I keep track of them. Just for the record, I went five and three at payback, and you guys both tied and went four and four. So you went, you both went five hundred. I don't have the official standings as of tonight, but um, I wasn't impressed with the buildup heading towards it. I think what hurt it. I was to, can I interject? I gotta say, like, thank God I, I went four and four because I think as the pay per view unfolded, I, I, I sincerely believe I think I was zero oh and four at one point in the pay per view. So it was, it was a decent comeback, but at one point I'm watching the pay per view and I'm like. I've got nothing right so far. So it was not my best night of picks. Yeah, I, went, I think I went like early on, like 0-2 or 0-3 or something like that. And then it just kind of like flip-flopped back and forth. But anyhow, um, the build-up to it obviously wasn't great. It's after WrestleMania. Everyone that gets jazzed up for WrestleMania, the, the show that's following it, they really didn't have um, the pay-per-view that follows WrestleMania. you got to have like WrestleMania-type build-up to keep up with it. And they just didn't have that. I think what hurt that is the fact that, like I said, it's the, it's the pay-per-view after WrestleMania. You put so much effort creatively into making WrestleMania this must-see mega Super Bowl event of a show that, um, you know, everything else after that is just it's, it's the expectations are, are really low. And I think what also hurt, too, was this, this superstar shakeup, this, this, that, that, that little mock draft that they put out there. The, you know, um, you, you said it best on last week's show because I listened. They're like, just call it the draft. I mean, just another way to say, you know, that they're moving guys around. I mean, and there weren't any real rules behind it. It was kind of, you know, I wasn't really impressed with the shakeup. The, the moves weren't bad for some of the talent where they went. 
but just the format of it, I think, sucked. And I think that hurt heading into the buildup of the pay-per-view because you still had some unresolved issues on certain brands, and then you had, like, mixing of the brands. So, like, we had a couple of SmackDown guys on the show. Um, and then I just think overall, like, you brought it up, the House of Horrors. I'll give you my take on it. I thought everything up until WrestleMania between Orton and Wyatt was phenomenal stuff. And I just think the expectations, um, I don't know if I had super high expectations for them at WrestleMania, but I felt like the finish was very anticlimactic, and it just, uh, one minute they, they made Bray this huge superstar, and the next minute he just lost like it was nothing, no big deal to Orton at WrestleMania. And then this House of Horrors match, okay? Like, they could have come up with something better than that, like a name, like the name. And, and then just, I, I get they're trying to tr- do something different from a production standpoint with the cinematic style of the music, and they kind of took a page out of what, like, um, Lucha Underground and TNA has done with the Hardys and their stuff. I get it, but like, but let's let's have some consistency here in wrestling. Like, we try not to pick apart everything in the show. But here's what bothered me about the House of Horrors match. Okay, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I get what they were trying to do, but at the same time, it wasn't like super. Te- I wasn't. It wasn't super terrible either. But hear me out for a minute. I don't know if you noticed this, Ken, but I noticed this like directly off the bat. So they had the match in the house. They're beating each other up. The only way to win is to get back to the arena. Okay, that's something similar. They did the boiler, They did the original Boiler Room brawl like that. You fight in the Boiler Room, you get in the ring, and then the winner had to get Paul, Paul Bear's earned, and they won the match. So you got to make it back to the arena and get in the ring, and then the match finishes in the ring, I guess. This was what the plan was, right, with Orton and Wyatt. So Wyatt trapped Orton with the refrigerator, which was stupid, okay, right off the bat. It was stupid. Comes back to get the limo, goes to the arena, okay? Orton comes back, all right? Now, if you look closely, maybe this is just me because I, I look too much into things, but Orton comes back from the arena, like no bumps and bruises on him. Doesn't look like he was beat up, and he's got a cleanly shaven face. When he walked into the house, he had all kinds of five o'clock shadow and stubble. So you mean to tell me he had enough time to leave the house of horrors, get in the car, and go get a clean shave before he came back to the arena to finish the match? I mean, seriously, like let's let's well, I gotta tell you something, man. Well, well done, Dave. I did not pick up on that, but as much as I, I did not like that match. That that break in continuity, uh, that that's just pretty bad. I mean, seriously, like, hold on, driver, driver. I got to go to the barbershop and get a clean shave before I beat Bray Wyatt for my championship. I mean, give me a break. You like, squeezed in a Barbasol commercial in between. I know, right? Make it a hair versus hair match if that's what you were going to do, you know? <laughs> for real. So, like, the execution on that I thought was kind of eh, and I really felt like that this was, like, their, their, their way of kind of given a little back to Bray because he got the he, he only had the title for a short period of time. And I just felt like, all right, well, now they're on different brands. Bray has to win. It's a raw show. Plus, a couple of days before, Jinder Mahal stole the belt from Orton, so the belt wasn't even on the line in the match. And I, I, I was glad that Orton didn't win for the sake of the storytelling because I felt like that was Bray's match and he had to win that, just the, the style of it. But the show overall... Like, the first half wasn't bad. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I fell asleep at bits and pieces during Rollins and Joe. I fell asleep at bits and pieces during the House of Horrors match, okay? And I had to go back and watch it later on in the evening, and I fell asleep during the main event, even though I thought 
the main event was a fun match. And that's the other. Here's another production snafu. I'll, I'll go on record as saying Braun beats Roman, okay, and he beats him up pretty bad, and Roman's coughing up blood or whatever, which I heard was like legit. Like he was like really coughing up. Or no, not he was really coughing up blood, but the blood spot was planned. Okay, so they go they go off the network with the pay per view and they do that raw talk show. And I don't know if you watched it. They do the raw talk and they got you know Renee Young in the back and she's going over the night. Oh my God, what a great night it was! And I'm you know like whatever. You're so full of shit, lady. And so the cameras. I don't know if they realized it, but like the cameras were on and it showed like the referees, the agents, Finley and Roman Reigns like walking back through the curtain. And I don't even know if they realized the red light was on, but like Roman like totally no sold any of the beating he just took. And then when they realized the red light was on, Roman turns around. And the referee is standing in front of him. And then I don't know what happened, but I heard they might have put a blood capsule in his mouth to continue the the, the bleeding. Because then they filmed the spot where Strowman came back and I'm not finished with you yet. And then they did the whole thing with the, <laughs> with, the with the ambulance door. I mean, it was it was unreal. Like the, the, the you're the WWE. You're supposed to be the best in wrestling and in production, and you kind of let that kind of that, that stuff kind of go. Like. I'm not trying to be a, uh, you know, I'm not trying to overanalyze it, but I just thought, like, I really not a whole lot of interest in the show. Like I said, I fell asleep here and there throughout the last three matches of the show, and it was poorly booked, um, build-up-wise, and I'm glad it's over. And I'm actually looking forward to the Backlash pay-per-view from SmackDown. But, um, yeah, I just didn't – it was kind of eh, whatever. Hey, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind I of thought, like, back. considering the buildup, it was decent. Because I I was completely uninterested in this pay-per-view. So, um, considering that and having really low expectations, um, I enjoyed it. But, um, you know, one of the aspects of this pay-per-view that, that I think is, is worth discussing um, is the ladies, which, again, um, for better or worse, even if we're, we're going to be, even if we talk negatively about the ladies, the fact that we um, are dissecting ladies' matches, to me, is a testament to what uh, the women in pro wrestling are doing right now, because... Um, and I don't mean this at all to be a jerk and or to, to come off as a chauvinist, but like um, in the past, uh, ladies' matches didn't matter enough for us to dissect them. So um, it's a good thing. Uh, I was really surprised, Dave, to see Bailey's championship run end. Um, I think this was to me. This is a match to continue to legitimize Bailey as a bona fide force to be reckoned with. To really legitimize her championship run, I like Alexa Bliss. Don't get me wrong. And you know, coming out of the picks from last week, I did. To me, I thought that down the road a piece we would see Alexa Bliss this Raw championship. Um, I think Alexa Bliss brings a lot to the table. I think she's got a really cool heel personality. Um, I just thought that Bailey was one of those competitors that we need to legitimize her and have her um, be this uh, 
championship level female competitor. And I still find myself right now with all the ladies, Raw and SmackDown, it's Charlotte and everybody else. Not that, look, I think the ladies' division is better than it has been in, in decades. I think it's phenomenal. I think bringing back someone like Mickey James is incredible. I, I think the ladies are doing a great job on Raw and SmackDown. But with this defeat for Bailey's championship run to end here, I, I, I'm not going to say it was terrible, but I would say at best I think Bailey had a good, a decent championship run at best. Um, and because of that, because of not having a certain amount of longevity, having a, a championship run that is uh, something substantial, I still look at the WWE, like I said, as Charlotte and everyone else. Um, I don't know about you, Dave. I was kind of surprised to see Alexa Bliss ascend to the Raw Women's Championship as quickly as she did. I, I mean, I wasn't... I was a little surprised. I think it's a combination of a couple things. One, I think they look at Bailey as someone that they can draw money with from an underdog standpoint, as opposed to her being the champion, um, where her chasing the belt and her coming up short, kind of the Daniel Bryan treatment, like I said, the proverbial underdog, um, I think that's where they see her, where she'll get the most sympathy is that, oh, gosh darn it, she almost got that title, but so-and-so – Cheated and managed to pull out the victory. You know, better luck next time, Bailey. Like I think, I think that's where they kind of see Bailey from a creative standpoint, and they feel like that's where they would make their the, the most money with her. Is there obviously merchandise? Well, she'll kill it because she does with the kids and the little girls. She's a female John Cena, as far as I'm concerned, merchandise wise. But um, I think that's where they see her. I think the other thing is as to why Alexa won is because she's new to Raw and. She did so well as a heel and kind of holding down the fort on SmackDown that, like, they kind of, they, and almost in a way they kind of had to build her up so that they can make, they can have someone on Raw be as equal as Charlotte over on SmackDown. Um, by giving that notch to Alexa Bliss on her belt that she's the first ever woman to capture both the Raw Women's Championship and the SmackDown Women's Championship, that kind of puts her up there on that level with Charlotte, at least a little bit. Charlotte's won the, the Raw belt a bunch of times. I'm sure she'll have a few runs with the SmackDown title, but I feel like they did that because you had to establish Alexa on Raw as a strong heel, um, and plus she's got good chemistry with Bailey. They work together in NXT. Bailey is a better underdog, and giving Alexa that notch kind of puts keeps the Raw and SmackDown women's divisions even keel in terms of uh, star power and ability. That was just my take on it. I thought it was a good match, and I feel like that there's legs and there's more to it with the two of them over time, and I think they'll, get, I, I, I think they'll, they'll continue to work together and do good, do good work storytelling-wise from an in-ring perspective. Um, it's not over for the two of them, but that's, that's, my, that's just my take on it. I could be completely wrong, and there could be plenty of different reasons as to why they decided to put the title on Alexa Bliss. But I think those are the two main factors um, as to why the title switched hands at Payback. 
And I, and I think that that totally makes sense. It just surprised me. Um, I thought Bailey's championship run would uh, have a little bit more time. Um, I, I was just surprised. And uh, it's interesting because I, I dig Alexa Bliss and what she brings to the table. Um, but she's not someone that I'm like, that I look at and think, wow, she is like so talented. We need to have her uh, win that raw title. So I was just, I was surprised. Um, and, and honestly, when you look at surprises and, you know, it's well as a fan. And I think most fans need to reconcile themselves a, a bit when they watch uh, pro wrestling um, because it's, it's good to be surprised. Um you know, you don't have to get all bitter and mad just because you think uh, things should go a certain way and uh, they go a different way. And I was really surprised to see Alexa Bliss win that Raw Women's Championship. I was also very surprised to see Chris Jericho defeat Kevin Owens um, to win the WWE United States Championship. Um, I... I thought it was on a pay-per-view. I thought it was a night for Kevin Owens to retain. I thought it was a night to, uh, for Kevin Owens to take that next step up into that stratosphere. Um, I thought as a, as a pay-per-view again, it was that, that moment for Chris Jericho to walk away at least for a chunk of time. Um, Obviously things changed on SmackDown, but in on that night, thinking about when I was watching Payback and, and getting into picks for the night, this was a match, Dave, that really surprised me. A, a very good match, a very entertaining match. Um, would love to see more of these two in the ring. I was very surprised to see Chris Jericho go over. I kind of was, too, because it was really weird with the way they set the stipulation up. Um, it was like, well, whoever wins the title goes over to SmackDown. Um, and Owens was already drafted to SmackDown. So I thought that because Orton had lost and Wyatt won, that at least like Owens was going to like sneak away with the title. He just got the title at Mania. Jericho was taken off time. Um, but it looks like Jericho, you know, he came back for SmackDown the other night, had the rematch. Owens got the belt back. And now Jericho's officially gone until later this year. He's supposed to be coming back, I guess, to do another run with WWE. And he'll probably be on SmackDown. But um, I thought this match was better than the WrestleMania match. That's for sure. Um, The WrestleMania match was good, but I felt for a WrestleMania match, it could have been better. But this match was better than the WrestleMania match. And um, then there are other times where it's like, all right, it's not needed. Um, And I felt like if you really want to establish Owens, as a serious threat on SmackDown in the main event picture that he had to beat Jericho again, two times in a row. That was just my opinion. I felt like he, that had to happen. And, uh, but nonetheless, he's still a serious threat as a character. What he did Tuesday night when he took Jericho out and they wrote him off TV and now he's the United States champion. He's going to have a run against AJ. They're going to have some great matches, but Owens definitely um, could have been, I, th- I felt could have benefited from the, the win on Sunday, but he got it back on Tuesday. So, I'm not too. Uh, I'm not sweating it too much. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but I did, and I'm right there with you. I think this match was better than a WrestleMania match. Um, it, it was fun stuff, but definitely, you know, surprised by the fact that um, 
Jericho went over. Uh, you know, Jericho's one of those guys, man, that he um, he's something else. And what he has brought to the table and how he continues to help younger talent. Um, you know, Kevin Owens is better for having uh, his his program with Chris Jericho. Look forward to, to Chris Jericho coming back. Um, another program I'm actually really enjoying, which um, – and we did talk about this at length on uh, last week's show. And, again, Dave, want to get your take. Um, I am not, not a big cruiserweight guy um, as a fan. And, and I think that the beauty of pro wrestling and the beauty of being a wrestling fan is um, – there's a lot of things you can get into and you can be into spot guys. You could be into strong men. You could be into the ladies. You could be into tag team wrestling. You could be into comic relief. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong as, as a fan, uh, what your priority is as a wrestling fan. Uh, myself, I've always been more of a, fan of the the bigger stronger guys that's uh where my fandom has always gravitated to i've never been uh the biggest spot fan um i've never been the biggest fan of, of the cruiserweight division um that being said i really am enjoying aries and neville and one thing with the both of those guys that they're quote unquote spot guys. Um, but when you watch their matches, I feel like their spots matter. Um, they're not spots for spot for the sake of spots, you know? Um, I think they do a real good job at telling a story and the spots matter. And, you know, early in the show when I talked about Jimmy Snuka going over that top rope and landing on Roddy Piper outside the ring, the spot mattered. And, and I think, uh, you know, some of the cruiserweights you looked at um, from yesteryear, uh, you know, guys like uh, Nunzio, who is a two-time cruiserweight champion, uh, guys like Jamie Noble, uh, guys, you know, when you looked in the past uh, of guys who – who were those cruiserweight stars. Um, I, I just look at, we evolved into a era where guys did spots for the sake of spots. And I am really enjoying watching Aries and Neville wrestle each other and have spots that matter. And I was very happy that Aries got the win, but via disqualification. So, we still got more. We still got more from these two guys. Um, I'm digging what these two guys are, are bringing to the table. I, 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 and honestly, Dave, I don't know about you, but I am loving Neville as a heel. Before Neville turned heel, I don't know if I'd be sitting there thinking, uh, turn Neville heel because he'd be an awesome heel. Um, but I think he's taken this gimmick and ran with it. Um, I really enjoyed their, this match, and honestly, I'm enjoying a lot of what I'm seeing out of Aries and Neville. 
When I look at cruiserweight wrestling, I look at it two ways. It's it's a mixture between a human car crash and all the high spots, but some great technical wrestling. And you get a good mixture and blend when you put Austin Aries and Neville in the ring together. You get a good mixture of that. Um, I've been enjoying it, too. I dare say I think that their match at WrestleMania, I'm right there with you, Ken, because I listened to last week's show. You want to make an argument that that match was the match of the night or the match with AJ Styles and Shane McMahon? I still go with AJ and Shane. It's match of the night. You can argue that case. Um, I think cruiserweight wrestling in some ways has gotten a bad rap at times because you get guys that are just basically, you know, high flyers and too many high spots and doing stuff that don't make sense in a match. Um, And, and it kind of, and it kind of perceives cruiserweight wrestling in a negative light. Um, with these two, it doesn't. Because like you said, the stuff that they do matters. And I've been digging what I've been seeing between the two of them. I've been pleasantly surprised with Neville as a heel. Um, I was intrigued when it happened. I'm like you. I wasn't exactly saying, oh, yeah, let's turn him heel and see what he can do. Um, because he had that white meat, baby face, underdog, high flyer kind of look to him. Comes back, changes his look up a little bit, grows a beard, has a little bit of an attitude. Changes his style up a little bit, you know. That's the one thing about when you turn, when you, when you make a turn, especially going from being a baby face to a heel, you can't do the same things you did as a baby face, and that includes your in-ring work too. And you know, Neville has kind of switched it up. He's only brought the high-flying stuff when it's necessary, but for the most part, he's he's got a better ground game, and technically, he has brought it in his matches. And I've just been, I I'm with you right there. I've been enjoying it, and. Um, the one thing I don't like about this program that, that has started to develop in the last several weeks is the inclusion of uh, T.J. Perkins. Um, I, I just don't. I just don't think it's necessary to add him into it. There's nothing really that like excites me about him. He's a he's a he's a decent high flyer and he and he works hard and he bumps around like a son of a bitch. But like I just don't see any reason why you got to add him into the mix with Neville and and. Uh, and Aries at this point. I think you should just let this be, and maybe he moves on, you know, maybe T.J. Perkins gets involved once this program ends, but it looks like they're kind of, they're kind of sandwiching him in there. We might see a triple threat maybe at the next, at the next Raw pay-per-view. I'm not sure, but I'd rather see it just the two of them, Neville and Aries. It's, it's been good stuff overall. I can't, I, I have no complaints whatsoever about, about the storyline. It's simple. It's, it's not over the top. Um, and it's probably the best thing that's happened in the cruiserweight division since the cruiserweight division started back in the fall. So I agree with you, man. And, and I, 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 I'm right there with you. Like this is a program that should be one-on-one it's, it's Aries and Neville and, and um, you know, don't cloud that. Uh, but yeah, what you're saying about Neville and, and I do think that, you know, Neville deserves a, a a ton of credit because it's not an easy thing to be a performer that, you know, does those spots that can really get a crowd going and turn heel and kind of tweak your spots in a way and figure out those spot those, those times in a match to, kind of yell at the crowd and, and get some heat before you do these spots so the spots don't get a pop 
And I, I think everything that I'm watching at a Neville, I, I don't think, you know, I think it's going fairly understated how great this heel turn is. Um, it's not easy being a guy whose style is those high-flying spots that get those pops to be able to, to come out and, and really develop a bona fide, legit heel persona that's able to get that heat when he goes out there and still perform those crazy athletic spots. And I, I think Neville deserves a lot of credit. And like you said and I said, I, I would have never looked at a guy like Neville, which is maybe, you know, as a, as a guy who's hosting a show, you know, maybe I got to pump the brakes as far as uh, when I judge guys, but I probably won't because I have a mic in front of me. And why would I stop judging people? That's what I do. But I just look at a guy like Neville and I'm like, wow. Um, would would never have looked at him as a guy who could give me a bona fide heel persona that can get heat, that you could sink your teeth into, that you can really hate. And a guy like Austin Aries, who has that arrogant, almost tweener kind of personality. He's not that 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 over the top happy-go-lucky, love-everything-he-does kind of baby face. He's edgy, he's a little egotistical, but he's playing the baby face persona that Neville has been able to put together a heel personality, a heel character that has, has enabled Austin Aries to be that bonafide 100% face in this program that you're right, Dave. The The only negative has been to to water it down and try and add other people into the mix. But I, I think that, you know, when you look at pro wrestling and you look at the landscape of, of the WWE and what they're doing across the board, I, I honestly look at this program and I don't think Neville gets enough credit across the board. His heel persona has been incredible the subtle nuances he has to add to his personality while still doing those spots is very commendable has how he's put this together. And I, as a guy who I am not a spot guy, I'm not a spot fan, nor was I the biggest Neville fan beforehand. Very impressive what he's been able to do with this heel persona. Yeah. Same here. I mean, I can't, I can't really, you know, find anything that I dislike about it. Um, that's, that's, that's the big test of how talented a, a guy can be when you can, you, 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 you don't rest on your laurels and you switch things up and you reinvent yourself. And, you know, that's, that's a testament to his talent that he can go from being so beloved because he was such a high flyer and he was a likable character on television to coming back and basically he does his ability has the respect of the audience, but his character you can it doesn't generate super serious real heel heat, but he gets a negative reaction for the things that he does as a bad guy. So in today's wrestling landscape, which I guess you could say is a good thing. I mean, back in the, back twenty twenty five years ago, he wouldn't be setting the world on fire as, as this super you know bad guy. But I mean, in today's world, in today's wrestling, he does pretty well for himself, and that's a testament to his talent. 
Totally agree with you. And and as as we get through uh, this pay-per-view, uh, almost 16 minutes, Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe. What do you think of this stuff, Dave? This was a match I was kind of I, – I had, I had dozing in and out of. I was exhausted. Um, but from what I saw, I enjoyed it. Um, I felt that um, the way that Rollins won the match um, was crucial, too, because – Joe has been built up as this monster, this killer of a man. And, uh, you know, for him to lose the way he did, it makes a lot of sense. And it doesn't hurt his persona whatsoever. I was afraid that because Samoa Joe, the way he had debuted, and he was left off the WrestleMania card, and he just kind of – I felt like – I felt like at this point in in his run in WWE – it was. I wouldn't say it was like a, a now or never kind of situation, but like he had to have been able to produce something good with Rollins in the ring, which I didn't have any question that they were that they weren't going to produce a good match. But I felt like for his character, he needed to really step out a bit more this early on in the run in order for people to care about him. That's just how I felt about it, and the way he lost, and then how he rebounded the next night and how he attacked Rollins. I think, you know, there, there's a lot more to come with Samoa Joe, but I just felt like he was kind of lost in the shuffle with WrestleMania. And now that WrestleMania is over, I think it's a good time for, for his character to really branch out and be a force to be reckoned with on TV. But I, from what I saw, and I didn't go back and watch that match, but from what I saw with that match, I liked it. And I, I was awake for the finish. Um, and I, like I said, I thought it was a good way for Rollins to win, get his payback for, for what Joe did to him earlier in the year. At the same time, it protects Joe's character moving forward that he didn't lose so decisively to a guy like Rollins. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and you know, it's, it's the thing that's, that's interesting about pro wrestling, um, you know, is the idea that there is no off season. And, you know, I've said it before on the show, and, you know, it, it still remains true. Um, wrestling, especially the WWE, is not something that you need to take a pulse on on a daily, weekly basis, and yet, admittedly so, we take a pulse on a weekly basis. Um, and it just, it's the nature of the biz, you know, it, it's the way the business is. And I think for, for us on the show, at least it's an awareness that we we're taking a pulse, but you know, we might be wrong. Um, I agree with you. Like Samoa Joe, um, it's been hit or miss, I guess. You know, he was kind of lost in the WrestleMania shuffle. Um, but, you know, you kind of go back and forth on a Samoa Joe. It's, it, you know, you can't sit here and say they've knocked it out of the park with Samoa Joe. Um, they've done everything 100% great. But you can't say that they shit the bed with him either. And sometimes when it comes to uh, any character in, in pro wrestling that it's almost better not to shoot to the top immediately because then it's like, well, where do you go after that? 
And, and maybe where Samoa Joe is right now is the best place for him. Samoa Joe is, is eminently talented. Um, I, I am really looking forward to seeing where he can go and how the WWE um, is going to use him. And, and storytelling-wise in this match, I thought it was an entertaining match. I thought it was a fun match. And I did think it was it was right. It was right storytelling wise for Seth Rollins to go over on Samoa Joe for that night. Um, it remains to be seen how you know the Samoa Joe character is going to evolve. Um, and in all honesty, Dave, I, I'm I'm curious your thoughts. Um, I'm still not 100% sold on babyface Seth Rollins. Um, Going over on, on Samoa Joe was the right move for uh, Babyface to get his to, to give Samoa Joe his comeuppance. Um, but it's intriguing. I think coming out of this match, I think that you know, to me, this match is very intriguing because you have two guys, two performers, two competitors, who, you know, like I said, Seth Rollins. Do I think he's he's like nail you know hitting the nail on the head with babyface Seth Rollins? No, I I don't know. Is it been terrible? No. Um, but has it been a slam dunk? No. Um, and Samoa Joe, I'm very intrigued where they're going to go with him moving forward. It hasn't been um an absolute knockout, but it hasn't been terrible either. And he is a great competitor. Um, he's been around the block a few times, and now he's in the WWE arena. So I, I think both these guys are in a, a state of, you know, if you can call it a state of flux, uh, perhaps. But um, intriguing stuff to me, Dave, when you look at these two characters moving forward. I'm not a big fan of the Rollins babyface experiment or lack thereof or whatever you want to call it anymore. Um, I think what hurt his momentum as a good guy was the fact that they didn't capitalize sooner on the interactions with him and Hunter. They took Hunter off the TV almost until close to WrestleMania because they wanted that match to be at WrestleMania. And I felt like as a fan, if I were a kid and I was rooting for Seth Rollins and he got screwed out of the title, Triple H had disappeared I'd be upset that he's not getting his revenge sooner. And I felt like that kind of lost the momentum for him as a babyface. I felt like that even pairing him up with Jericho and Owens, they weren't bad matches, but I just felt like it was a holding pattern. and It was stalling until they get to Hunter, and they were going to try and milk it as long as they could. And I felt like it, he lost his momentum because he didn't get – it, there weren't more interactions with him and Hunter up until the WrestleMania season. So I, I, Steve Austin made a great point on his podcast. He said that he goes, I don't think Seth Rollins is truly fully over. And I have to agree with him on that. Not just because he's, because the babyface thing hasn't been working, but truly as a character, who is Seth Rollins? What is Seth Rollins? You know, he's a phenomenal athlete. Don't get me wrong, but who and what are Seth Rollins to the audience? Why am I supposed to care about you? You're, you got, a, you got a, 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 a generic name. You're a phenomenal athlete in the ring, but why am I supposed to care about you? What makes you so special? And that needs to be 
emphasized in his character, and I don't feel there's enough emphasis from a character standpoint for Seth Rollins. He was a good bad guy. He was a good little chicken shit heel when he won the belt after money after he cashed in the money in the bank at WrestleMania a couple years ago. But I feel like he's lost some momentum, as especially as a good guy. And I think a, a, a fresh coat of paint, as I'd like to call it, is in order for someone like Seth Rollins. Either they figure out something quick for the babyface run, or they make the next stage to turn him into a good guy. Because I just feel like the whole or turn him into a bad guy. Because I feel like the whole good guy experience is kind of ass. And Joe. I wouldn't call it a state of flux, but now that WrestleMania season is out of the way, I think there's going to be more room for him to shine, and he'll he'll have he'll have plenty of opportunities to be a big dog on the big stage, especially on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I think you know honestly, with what you said about Seth Rollins, I I, I think the the statement of or the question, why should I give a shit about you? Um, is is the biggest question as far as Seth Rollins' face turn? Um, why do I get behind you? What and like you said, phenomenal athlete um, can do just about anything in that ring. But um, as a character, as a babyface, what is it that fans can can really latch on to to get behind the character? That is Seth Rollins. And creatively speaking, um, I, I'm right there with you. I think that's where the WWE has dropped the ball when it comes to Seth Rollins. Everyone out there tonight, thank you all for tuning in as we are coming to a close of another great show tonight. Great to have Dave back in the fold. Looking forward to keep listening. We're going to be doing a retrospective show coming up soon tweet us book us let us know what you guys want to hear for day i'm ken have a great night good night everybody